This event is brought to you by Real Estate IQ, the number one in deal finding 45,000 leads every month. So without further ado, let's learn more about um, real estate and I'll be giving the floor to our speaker for today, Chris Anderson from Better Flips. Chris? Okay. Hi, good evening. Uh, thank, listen, thanks for coming again. I, I know you've got a, a lot of choices in where to get uh, some education from. Real estate education is something that's uh, really important to me. I, uh, I spend a lot of time coaching other investors. I do it professionally as part of my business, but just even before that, I spent a lot of time talking to people. Uh, I love talking about real estate. So thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to do this again. I, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate uh, Real Estate IQ. It's kind of been a great opportunity. Uh, this section is a little bit different, right? Because we talked about doing business with intention and we talked about, um, you know, uh, you know, business structures and we, and we've talked about the, the kind of the process by which I built a business. Um, I, last week we talked about like doing hard things and how I approach uh, business. Um, today we're going to talk about, it's a little bit of story time, right? It's the payoff at the end of this is that you get to hear some of my stories. And I want to tell you some of the things that it's done for me and my business. Um, that's what this is, right? Uh, and I'm going to tell you how I've developed some of the processes that I've that I use, right? And kind of the struggles that I've gone through. We're actually going to take a brief analysis, like a brief kind of story time of how I built my business from the very first deal, deal that I did. So let's start there, right? Um, so I want to tell you where I come from, though, right? I, I wasn't always in real estate. If you if you paid attention, I've been in real estate for almost six years now. And as a, as a full-time real estate investor, and I basically went full-time right away. I, uh, I actually quit a job that was making, um, I, I probably made $150,000 or $160,000 the year I quit my job. And I know that sounds crazy to a lot of people, right? When I talk to investors, they're like, hey, I, I want to be an investor and I want to go full-time, but I can't leave my job or I can't do this. And I'm not saying that you have to, right? Not everybody has to do what I did, right? But, but I just want to tell you about what's possible because part of what we do as real estate coaches is I, is I want to sell you the dream, like, and not that it's a fictional story, right? We're not telling a fairy tale. I'm telling you my story. I want to tell you about what's possible. And then it's about you to go out and get that. Does that make sense to you, right? It's about you going out and getting it. There's no um, you know, I'm, I'm going to let you in on a tip, by the way, the secret sauce is I, I do these meetings all the time and people sit in front of me and, and I, and I spoke in a large crowd. This is actually relatively small for me. Um, you know, my largest audience was almost 200 people. Right. And so I, you know, I run a monthly meetup event where we regularly get 80, 90, sometimes hundred people at the events. I usually speak to a thousand people a month in total in all the events that we do. And so here's the interesting thing. People sit in the audience and they sit in the crowd and they want me to tell them the one thing that they don't know that's going to change their business. So that's what the secret sauce is, right? That idea that there's some sort of secret that successful real estate investors keep in their back pocket and that it's some sort of secret that we don't share. So, so let me in, let you in on the secret. Uh, there is no secret, right? What there is is a lot of hard work and a lot of capitalizing the opportunity. And um, let me tell you, my story and some of that stuff is going to become apparent as to how, why I do what I do and how I built my business the way I built it. So uh, I told you that I, I didn't always do real estate, right? Before this, I used to be, I used to work in the automotive field. I was a, um, 
I was a service writer and a service manager in a tire store. I was a service advisor in a car dealership and a service manager and a service director in a dealership. Uh, I was a regional manager for a tire company uh, and a store manager. And I did very well in my career, right? Financially, it was very rewarding. I liked the business. My last company, I used to work for this guy by the name of Kevin. And Kevin was a great guy. Uh, and I loved him. He was the vice president of operations. And... Uh, and I love the guy because it was, he, he had a ton of experience. He'd been in the automotive field for almost 50 years. And, uh, but he was a little bit frustrating, right? Because every time you asked him a question, uh, he was a little bit like Jesus because you'd be like, hey, what about this? And you go, well, let me tell you a story about a man, right? He never answered a question directly because, and what I learned from him was that if I answer a question too directly, uh, I'm going to give you, it's the idea of if I give a man a fish, I feed him for a day. If I teach him how to fish, I'll feed him for a lifetime, right? So as a coach, I often have to resist the idea of like, hey, here's the right answer. I need you to like struggle through it a little bit. So this is Kevin's story, right? Uh, I was talking to him about giving a guy a raise. And I said, listen, I, I got this guy. He's a really good mechanic. He's somebody we really value. He's a great team member uh, and he wants a raise. And he wants a, a dollar more an hour. Now, at the time, the guy was a very productive technician. He was worth a dollar more an hour. But company policy was we never gave more than a 50 cent raise in any six month period. And he had a 50 cent raise six months prior. And so, uh, so I went, I had to go to Kevin. I had to try to break the rules. So I had to go to the vice president of operations and be like, hey, I want to break the rules. Here's why. And so he said to me, he goes, hey, Chris, why do you work? And I go, I I don't know the answer. I go, I'm, I, I want to say money, but I'm not really sure. I go, why do you think people work? And he goes, well, let me tell you a story about a lumberjack. And I said, okay. And so he goes, there's a man and he worked on a, a mountain and he was the best lumberjack on the whole mountain. People knew him from all around because he was the number one lumberjack. He chopped more trees than anybody else. And he was happy. He worked for a great company, a great boss, uh, really good equipment, uh, nice people. He was treated with respect uh, and he wasn't hassled in any way. And he liked his job. And a man comes up the mountain and he says to him, hey, I've heard that you're the best lumberjack on the whole mountain. And the guy says with pride, I am. He goes, well, I own a lumber company on the next mountain over and I'd like to hire you. And he goes, no, sir, I've got a great job. He goes, yeah, but I'll pay you double what you're earning now. And the guy, it gives him a moment of pause, right? Who wouldn't want double? And so he thinks about it for a minute. And he says, you know, that would do a lot for my family. But let me talk to my boss. I owe him that much. And so at the end of the day, he goes to his boss and he says, hey, boss, I've got this opportunity. Another company wants to hire me. They're going to pay me twice as much as what you pay me. And the, and the, guy, and the boss goes, I can't. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't pay that. I don't have enough money for that. We already pay you. You're the highest paid guy on the whole crew. And he goes, no, I understand. It's totally okay. I get it, but I'm going to have to leave because I, I, that money will do a lot for my family. So two weeks later, he starts with the other company and he immediately recognizes that there's a problem, right? You know, he used to work with really great equipment, really sharp axes, beautiful tools, the company took care of them, right? They would clean them every day. They took care of them. When something was broken, they would fix it. Well, he immediately notices that the ax he's given is dull and it's rusty and the grip is all worn out. So it hurts his hand when he uses it. And the boss yells all day long and he calls people names and it's a terrible place. And he used to chop 20 trees a day. And now he's lucky if he gets through three with this 
awful axe that he just, it's like trying to chop a tree with a hammer. And he does it and he bangs on the tree and he bangs on the tree and he bangs on the tree. And he's a man with a lot of pride. And he was the number one lumberjack in the whole mountain. Now every day his boss yells at him about how much he pays him and how he doesn't do enough. And so he can only take it for so long. And after about a month, he goes back down the mountain and he goes up to his old boss. And with his hat in his hand, he says, boss, I'd really like to come back. And he says, I'm sorry, I, I can't take you back. We hired two men to replace you and they're doing a great job and they have families and they're really good guys and they show up every day just like they're supposed to. And he's like, boss, I, I, I'll come back at my old pay. And he goes, I can't pay it to you. I hired two new guys. I can't let them go. They didn't do anything wrong. And he's like, boss, I, I'll come back for 20% less. As his boss goes, I, I can't say no to that. So he offers the man his job back at a reduced rate. And so the guy starts back and some time passes and it's four months and five months and six months later. And the guy's working, he's chopping trees and he's happy and he's doing a great job and his boss loves him and the equipment's great and it's a great place to work and they all high five on Fridays and it's awesome. And a guy comes up the street, up the trail and he comes up to him and he says, hey, I've heard you're the best lumberjack on the whole mountain. He goes, yes, sir, I am. He goes, well, I own a lumber company on the next mountain and I'd, I'd really like to hire you. And he goes, no, sir. I'm not interested in another job. He goes, I'll pay you double what you're, paying, what you're earning now. And the man goes, I don't work for money. And now the, the owner of the lumber company is confused. He doesn't even know what to say to that. He says, well, what do you work for then? He goes, I work to see the wood chips fly. And so he gets to the end of the story and I'm sitting there and I'm across the table and I'm looking at him and I go, so screw him. We're not giving him a raise, right? And he goes, I didn't say that. He goes, so we are giving him a raise? And he goes, I didn't say that. And so I looked at Kevin and I said, can you tell me that story one more time? And so I listened to it. And so he told the story again, word for word. And I got to the end and I go, I get it. And so I went back to the store and I said to the technician, I'm like, hey, do you earn a good wage? And he goes, yeah, well, dude, I make tons of money. He's like, I'm doing great. He's like, is are you happy with your boss? Like your supervisor is a good guy. He's like, Oh, I, I love Tom. He's a great guy. He's like, I love him. He's like, this is a great place to work. We laugh all the time. I worked with the guy for 10 years. I love him. Okay. Is the equipment good? Like a, you got a uniform problem or something. And he, uh, you know, I'm like, is it, is the locker room messed up? I'm like, it seems like a nice place. He's like, no, no, the place is great. The equipment's good. We got, we just got a new alignment machine. I love it. The new machine is great. It was at the training. Like you're afraid you're not going to learn something here. He's like, no, we have the best training center I've ever seen. And well, why are you leaving? He's like, well, it's a dollar more an hour. Oh, okay. So I took the guy and we got in the car. I said, come with me. And we got in my car and we drove over to the new, to the, the place he was going to work. And we sat in the parking lot. I go, wow, that place looks kind of dirty. He's like, yeah, but you know, we can clean it up. Yeah. That line machine doesn't look very good. He's like, it's an old one. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's be fun to do an alignment there. I go, but listen, man, if it's worth a dollar more, I can't pay it to you. I can offer you, I can't offer you a raise, but I can offer you that you get to keep working in a great place, a place that you love, where you're treated with respect and you got a great boss. That's what I can offer you. So, you know, listen, if you, if you work, if you come to work and you do it just for the money, this is the place you should work. But if you want to be a part of a team and one that loves you and respects you and cares about you and treats you with respect and gives you opportunity to learn stuff, then you're probably in the right spot already. But I don't know what you work for. 
as the guy went home and uh, you know, the end of the story is, is that we didn't give him a raise and he didn't go anywhere. Um, in real estate, you should know that a lot of what we do, if you work just for the money, this is a tough business, right? One of the things that I know to be true is that uh, money is a consequence of taking the correct action. It is a result and it is a result of doing the right thing and doing processes that make sense over and over and over again. So if you work for the money, you're gonna to wanna to cut corners and you're gonna to wanna to work with shoddy equipment and you're gonna work with shoddy people. And in the end, it, it will burn you, I promise it. And I wanna tell that story because a, a lot of the parables that we use in, in real estate are, are very meaningful. And I don't want you to miss those stories. Because I'm telling you, the lessons that are in there, right? The, the story of the tortoise and the, and the hare makes all the difference. Understanding that ha slow and steady wins the race and the guy who's fast, you know, first to fail, right? So just a, just a good story, right? So uh, we're talking about real estate, though. So let's go back to real estate. So I want to tell you about my story. So I, I wanted to get into real estate and I was excited about it. It was, um, you know, about five and a half years ago or so. And we were, we were getting excited about it. And so, but I needed a team, right? I didn't really know anything about real estate. And, and so I started to write a list of the people that I needed to know, people that I needed on my team. Uh, I knew that before I could do anything in real estate, I needed to acquire a piece of property, right? So I started with that property acquisition part. Um, the part where I, I, I knew I had to get a, 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 a property, but he didn't really know how to go about it. I owned a primary home, but I had only ever bought one house. Uh, I had rented a few apartments, but I did that by using, you know, like um, signs in front of houses. I had never really spoken to a real estate agent uh, other than the, the time that I bought my original home. And we only ever spoke to one real estate agent. I never met any others. So I knew that I probably needed a real estate agent. I'd spent enough time on bigger pockets to know about these, these mysterious characters called wholesalers. And I also knew that there were people that did direct marketing, right? That there were people that marketed on Facebook for properties. They did mailers. Uh, they did pay-per-click advertising and had websites where they had sales funnels that brought people in. Uh, and I knew that people could use your personal network to buy properties. So the first thing that I did is I started to talking. The, the last one is the one that made the most sense to me right? It would seem scary to me to call real estate agents because I didn't really know what to say. And I'm sure you kind of sat in the same spot, right? At some point you're like, I don't really know what to say to these people. What do I say? So um, here's what we did is I started out with the idea that I could probably, um, <clears throat> I could probably uh, talk to people that I know, and that would work its way down to somebody that had uh, some real estate knowledge, and so that's what I did. I, I talked to some people. I talked to my neighbor. I just started talking about real estate. I'm like, hey, I'm looking for properties. I'm interested in real estate. I'm really thinking about renting some properties. And somewhere along the way, I met a guy by the name of Ed. And Ed was a local real estate agent. He was kind of like that grizzled veteran. He had been in the, an agent for like 157 years or something. Like I think he sold Lincoln his house or something. And and so I met this guy and he was kind of cranky and he wasn't a really great real estate agent, but he was super knowledgeable, but not very personable. And I started to lean on him, right? Like I want a house, I want a house. And, and I made the guy show me 
like so many houses he was annoyed that I would call. And I never bought anything for like a year. I never bought anything. And so finally he goes, kid, you need to figure out what you want before I show you another house. And so I go, okay, I think I need to know what that means. And so I started to figure out what I wanted, like what I wanted for rates of return, how much money that would be, what the rents were. And I started to do some math because I'd never really done the math before that. And so I, I made an appointment to come into his office and meet him, right? So I went into his office and I'm sitting in his office and the phone rings. And the person on the other end of the line is somebody who's selling a house and they're stuck, right? They've had it under contract twice and it hasn't sold. And we had just gone over my numbers and Ed goes, uh, I think I know somebody for you. I'll call you back later. And he hangs up on the guy. I'll tell you the rest of that story in a minute. So I know I needed real estate agents, right? And I know I needed a property acquisition team and I know I needed to build that process. I also knew that I was going to need some other uh, advisors, right? Uh, people that would help me uh, make good choices, right? Uh, I knew I needed a real estate attorney. I knew I needed an insurance agent. Oop. I knew I needed an insurance agent. I knew I needed an accountant to have some sort of business structure because uh, that seemed scary. Um, so I started to figure out these people. So then it became about who people knew. So Ed referred me to an attorney and I spoke to an attorney about how to structure it. Uh, the attorney referred me to an accountant. The accountant talked to me about business structure and what I should do. Uh, Ed gave me um, Lou. Lou was a real, an, an insurance agent, right? I knew one guy and that one guy knew people. And so I started to branch off into understanding all these different things. So I had started to put all those things together. But I didn't have all the money, right? I didn't have the money figured out because you either have to use your personal assets when you acquire a property, right? Which is how much money you have in the bank. You need a private lender. Uh, you need hard money, right? I, and uh, I'd heard about hard money in, uh, on bigger pockets, but I didn't really understand what hard money was, right? It didn't really uh, make any sense to me, right? Um, the uh, hard money was uh, scary. And it was, it was going to be, you know, these people I knew charged like crazy interest rates and, um, and they, and they did crazy stuff. Right. And they, um, and then there's the banks and the banks were terrifying to me because I didn't really understand credit and I didn't know how everything worked. So I had settled on using my own personal money. And it was mainly because I was scared because I, I'll, I'll tell you the rest of that story, but I was scared about the money. And then I knew I needed some more people, right? Because once we bought a property, we had to fix it up. We needed to, we needed a team, a general contractor and a plumber and an HVAC contractor and a carpenter and a roofer and a cider and a stager and all these people. And I didn't know any of these people, right? I knew one guy, uh, the guy in the bottom there in the mask, his name is Doug. Uh, Doug was my first hire, right? So, so let's tell you the story. So I bought a rental property. Uh, and I didn't have any of these people. I just had Ed. So I promise you the rest of that story. So the phone rings and this guy calls. And he says, Ed, I really need to sell my house. And Ed goes, I might know a guy. I'm with him now. And so he goes, uh, listen, this guy's got this house. I've seen it. It's five bedrooms, one bathroom. It's in the valley. It's, uh, you know, he wants 130000 for it or whatever. And I go, he, he's like, listen, the guy will take less. I go, okay. I'm like, can we offer him a hundred thousand? Let's go look at it tomorrow. So we went, we looked at it and I said, Ed, I'd like to buy it. And Ed goes, okay, 
offer him a hundred thousand. So we fill out the pay and we have to go back to his office because Ed didn't do DocuSign. He didn't do email. He was a fax guy. He barely does email. And so we sign it and he faxes it over to the other office, right? To the agent. And, uh, and uh, lo and behold, they countered 105,000 bucks. So I bought the house and I owned my first piece of real estate. Needed a little bit of work. And that one I did myself because I was kind of a handy guy. And we did the fix up ourselves. As a matter of fact, my kids were really little. We cleaned the house ourselves. They were there. I have pictures of them like scrubbing the floor and stuff. And it's really cute. Uh, my wife cleaned the bathroom. It was, that was not as pleasant. Um, but the, the, we closed the deal. Uh, a few weeks later, I had the house rented for $2,300 a month. A few months later, I refinanced it and I did a cash out refi. It appraised for like $200,000, like one ninety-seven, I think. I made a lot of money on that house. Uh, I, I later sold it, by the way, for $225,000 to one of the tenants that lived there after I had made $1,000 a month for five years. I made, uh, uh, I made a couple, you know, I made over $100,000 on that house. But let's tell you about my first rehab because this is where the story is going, right? So what's the secret sauce, right? There's all these people that I need, but how do I put it all together? How do I build a team? We talked about doing business with intention. So how do I put it all together? So let me, this is the first rehab. This is a house on Bozal Avenue in Manville, New Jersey. I bought this house for um, uh, uh, like 70,000 bucks. It's 815 Bozal Ave or 819 Bozal Ave, something like that. And, uh, and we did a renovation on this. And when I did this one, I did every part of the renovation myself, right? So I hired uh, the guy, Doug, right? He was working with me. And this is my first rehab and we, and we did it together, right? Um, uh, we demoed the kitchen. We, uh, you know, I hired an HVAC guy. We put the roof on the house. We set the windows. We, we did the, the stone, the stone facade that's on the front of the house. We put that on. I put the railings on, um, you know, we put the light fixtures in, um, this was a, we project, right? So like I started to take my team and we started to, to do the work ourselves. And so there's some stuff I learned, right? Um, first, let's do the numbers, though. I bought the house for $72,000. I budgeted $48,000 for the renovation. Uh, and boy, was I wrong. Uh, we actually spent $76,000. Uh, I was not quite double, but I was off by about, I don't know, 70% on my rehab budget. Uh, however, I did sell the house for $205,000, and we made $35,000 net profit. And we did that in about three months. So this is where proof of concept comes in, right? Now I know what it takes to do every job it takes to do a rehab and I've done them myself physically, right? I was actively involved in every part of it, uh, but it wasn't easy, right? So like I would get up in the morning and before we went to work, I would go to Lowe's and I'd buy them, I'd pick up the materials for the day's work. I'd bring it to the job site. The guys would show up, we'd work all day and I worked alongside them. I cleaned up the jobs, I whatever, I picked up lumber, I cut wood, I set, I did framing, I hung sheetrock, I did all that work. And then the guys would leave and I didn't want to pay anybody to clean up. So every night I would clean up the job site and lock up the house. And then I'd go back to Lowe's and I'd order the materials for the next day or the day after that, whatever the next day's order was. And then by the way, I wasn't making money. Remember I told you I quit my job. Then I'd get in a car and I, I'd go home, I'd have dinner with my family. And then I'd get in a car and I'd drive Uber because I needed to make money. I would do anything. And then the next morning I'd start the whole thing over again at 6.30 in the morning. Here's the things that I learned. 
rehab costs more than I thought. That was a big lesson for me. You know, I was fortunate that I had the money to, uh, to afford the overages. The overages were primarily due to, primarily due to my inexperience. And so here's one of, one of the things that I learned, by the way. I had a lender who was a long distance lender on this one. I, I used hard money on this one. I had gotten enough confidence by buying the first house and doing the refi and everything that I felt like I could borrow the money because I had money in the bank at this point. And I was like, I'll do that. And so I, I decided to use a hard money lender, but I used somebody that was a distant lender. And so they didn't know anything about rehab costs. You know, I just gave numbers on paper. Nobody challenged my budget and said, hey, Chris, that seems a little low on that HVAC system. You only put 2,500 bucks. HVAC system, ductwork and everything, that's going to cost six or 7,000 bucks. Best case. And I was like, no, the unit's only 2,000, except I didn't know how much that it was 1,000 bucks worth of ductwork and it was you know, a week's work for a guy, right? I didn't know all that stuff. So they let me run with a budget that was way under what it should have been. And that was their lack of knowledge, right? They weren't familiar with my market. They didn't take into account that I was a very inexperienced investor. They didn't give me wise counsel. So what I'm saying is, is sometimes it's not just about math. Sometimes the relationship is what matters, right? I was in relationship with somebody that couldn't serve my business. So one of the things I learned was that some jobs are, be, are, are more cost effective to contract out, right? I, I told you I was doing everything myself, right? And I was doing it with an employee. And so we did the roof, uh, the roof that probably could have been done by any contractor in the whole world in two days uh, took me and, and my guy four days. And what happened was while we were doing that, instead of doing something that was a higher value thing that would have earned, saved me more money, I was doing that and I was extending my rehab project. So instead of this project taking eight weeks, it took 12 or 14 weeks, I think it took. Um, and so that, that, uh, that really hurt, it, hurt me. The other thing I learned was that I wanted my own construction company. I wanted a license to be a general contractor so that I could pull my own permits and control more of the process. See, although I did the work, I worked under somebody else's licenses, basically free labor. And I said, you know what? That's not a good, that's not a good plan. The other thing I learned was uh, you don't need to know everybody for the entirety of your team. You just need to know one good person. Here's the thing. If you know one good carpenter, good carpenters know good electricians. Good electricians know good plumbers. Good plumbers know good heating and air guys. You just need one guy. And what happens if you follow the story is that that relationship can help you build further relationships. So even now, a lot of what I do is I walk around to guys and I talk, I say, hey, who do you know who does this? When I need something, I, I just call people and I go, hey, who do you know who does this? Who would you recommend for this? Who can you say that could help me with this? And, and those, those results often are what brings me the next relationship. The moral of the story here, right, if you follow the bouncing ball, is that the relationships matter. So I knew when I left this that I didn't want to do every job, that I needed a better lender, and that I needed, uh, I needed to make sure that I was putting a better team in place, and I needed to be constantly upgrading that team. So let's talk about how I did it, right? So 360 Huff, this is rehab number two. Uh, this was a, a two-bedroom, one-bath house. Uh, that we bought. Uh, and if you look at the front, it's, it's a really looks like a small house with a, with a 
like a porch on the front. So what we did is we enclosed that porch. Uh, there was a converted garage. And if you, uh, if we turn this house around, uh, and I'll do that in a second, it, it, the, we bought this house for 63,000 bucks. Uh, I rehabbed it for $115,000. We did a cash out refi on this one uh, and got back 206,000 bucks. So basically by the time I purchased costs and holding costs while we did the renovations, I had no money into this house. Uh, I rented the house for $2,650 a month. Uh, and we did that for about two years and then we sold it for 300,000. So here's the story though. If you look at the back of the house, this is what's interesting about it. It was on the MLS. It was a very small house. It was on that market for a two bedroom, one bath. Uh, two bedrooms, one bath. Nobody looks at two bedroom houses. No square footage was listed on the MLS. Except when you went inside, the garage had been finished. And in the back, if you look at the windows in the back on the, on the bottom there, they're almost egress sized, right? Which is exit size. So here's what we did. We uh, converted the house. We took the living room. There were, there were three living rooms in the house, right? There was uh, one upstairs with a fireplace, one in to the right in like a finished garage, the former garage that had been finished. It was like a family room and then one in the basement. And what we did is we took the large living room and we turned it into the master bedroom. Now we had a big bedroom. And then we took that front porch and we finished that and we turned that into a master bathroom and entranceway. And then we had the kitchen and we had a sunken living room. And then we had a second family room that was in the basement, uh, except it wasn't a basement anymore. Cause what we did is we took the dirt away from that, those rear windows and we enlarged the windows to make them fully egress windows. And we added two bedrooms downstairs. So we went from a two bedroom, one bath house to a five bedroom, three bath house. Now I was in the middle of this project and we had started planning on doing it as a three bedroom, two bath house. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm talking to my, and I had gotten a new lender that had been referred to me by another investor, right? I had a friend who was an investor. I said, who do you use for lending? And they go, do you like them? And I go, yeah, it's a local guy. They're kind of a newer company. They're really good guys. You should meet them. And I did. And I liked them. I drove to their office and I talked to them. And, and so we borrowed some money and we're standing outside. And this is the genesis of the basement, right? How the basement became a thing. And I said, man, I'd really like to redo this basement and turn it into more living space. It would really raise the value of the house. And he goes, well, how much money do you need to do it? I said, 20 grand. He said, how much would it raise the value of the house? I'm like, oh, like 50,000, maybe 60,000. And he goes, oh, I'll lend you the money. I was like, wait, I can get more money? And he goes, yeah. Here's the thing though. The owner of the company came to visit me on the job site. See, I might've had the right guy there. And so when I had questions, he, had, he owned a construction company. He had, he had renovated many houses himself. He was a flipper and a, he owned rentals as well. In my market, in the area, right? Not in my specific market, but in the same state. Uh, he was more of a South Jersey guy. I'm a Central Jersey guy. But he, he looked at the project and he's like, hey man, you should definitely do that. I was like, well, he's like, why don't you? I'm like, well, I don't really have the 20,000 that I could lock up. He's like, I'll lend it to you. And so they wrote a second note for, for the money. I didn't even have to make payments on it. The interest was due at the end. And they did it at like 12% interest with no closing costs, no points, nothing. It was just an, a value add opportunity. And it made me like $50,000. We went from a, an expected resale value of the house of like 240,000 to 295 is what we sold it for, you know, whatever, a year and a half later at that point. So uh, here's what I learned. Uh, lessons learned. A ask your lender for help. That relationship matters. 
So if you're in trouble or you need help or you have thoughts, talk it out with somebody who's involved in dozens and dozens of deals. The lender I use probably closes 30 loans a month. Um, so you think they might know a little bit about real estate, right? That's an opportunity and one that most people don't capitalize on. They never build a relationship with the people they get their money from. They just expect them to, to give them money. You know, that their relationship is not, not any different than what you have with somebody at Burger King. See, here's the thing. The, 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 the man or the woman behind the counter at Burger King probably doesn't have any great advice for you about how to, you know, invest your money and how to fix problems at work. So they're probably not a great resource for you. But in your real estate business, your lenders are definitely a great resource or they should be a great resource. And if you're borrowing money from somebody who's not a resource, then fire them and find somebody who is a great resource. The other thing that I learned is that you can make the most money in real estate by figuring out how to add value. The, the ability to push a value up as significantly as possible by adding square footage, by looking at properties that are undervalued because it was listed as a two bedroom, one bath house, by looking at it in terms of, hey, that doesn't make sense. Why is this house such a good deal? Why is it so cheap? What could I do to make it be worth more? That's the add a level, put a second level on it. You close in the porch, convert the garage. Uh, is there a sunroom that can be converted into a, a living space? You know, those are the things you need to look for because that's honestly where the most money is made. But identifying those things is hard on your own. So by being in relationship with somebody, they can point out those opportunities and help you find the things that don't make sense that could create value for you. 53 May Place. This is my third rehab deal. You ready? We bought this house for $43,000. The reason why we got it so cheap is uh, if you look at the picture on the bottom of that black foundation wall there, uh, this foundation wall had collapsed uh, in. Uh, there was a flood in the area and the flood had put pressure on the foundation there and it collapsed and nobody wanted to buy it. Uh, so we actually stole the property. We got it for $43,000. Um, it's a three bedroom, one bath house. I still own this one. It's actually a rental for me. Um, we spent about $80,000, $88,000 on it. Uh, it appraised for two fifty. We, uh, we cashed out at 162,000. I have no money invested in this property. Uh, we have it rented right now for $2,100 a month. As a matter of fact, actually rent goes up this month. It's $2,150 November 1st is what we have it rented for. It's a three red and one, one and bath house. It was way under market value, um, significantly undervalued. And it was because people were afraid of this foundation repair. That foundation repair down there, by the way, cost me about $14,000. So uh, there were tons of people that looked at this house that were terrified of this repair because they thought the house was going to get torn down. We didn't tear down anything. As a matter of fact, uh, if you look at the, the current pictures of this house, we didn't even change the siding on the front. We just power washed it. Uh, we put a, we, uh, put a roof on it. Um, we replaced the windows uh, and not all the windows because a lot of the windows were newer. We replaced some of the windows. Um, we did put a hardwood, hardwood floors in it. We did put the kitchen in it. We did do the bathroom. We put a heating and air system in it. So we did a lot of work, uh, but this by no means was a gut job. It was just a mess when we got it because of the collapse foundation. Lesson learned. I can do bigger projects. 
my lender said to me, I was like, hey, I have this deal, but it's got a collapsed foundation. So remember I said, ask for advice, right? So I called my lender. I'm like, hey, I, I think this is a really good deal, but I'm not sure I can do it. And he goes, uh, and I go, and the guy's name is Anthony. And Anthony goes, you can do it. And I'm like, no, I didn't tell you what it was. It's really scary. He's like, you can do it. I was like, no, man, you don't understand. The foundation is collapsed. And he goes, oh, okay, well, you can do it. And I go, how do you know? I said, because it's all just about how much you spend, right? And I go, yeah. And he goes, did you talk to a, a contractor, you know, like a, a mason about it? And I go, yeah. He goes, well, how much did he say? And he goes, no more than 15000 He goes, okay, so what are you worried about? I go, he's like, the guy that said that he can do it said that it's no more than 15000 So what are you worried about? I'm like, yeah, but can I do it? He's like, well, are you going to do it? And that's when a light bulb switched for me, right? That was one of my aha moments. I don't have to do everything. I don't even have to know how to do everything. I just have to be in relationship with somebody who knows how to do the things I need done. So the answer was I can do anything because I don't have to do it, right? I don't have to be the one that builds the wall. I don't have to be the one that has all the answers. I don't have to do that because I can build a team that knows those things, right? So we found Tony the Mason, whose real name is Jose, by the way. Uh, but I have too many Jose's, so we call him Tony. And so Tony the Mason uh, did a great job. He built a foundation, he put it together for me. It was 14,000 bucks, everybody high five. Uh, we finished the house, we rented it. It took no time at all. It was like uh, eight weeks or something, 10 weeks we did this whole project. Uh, the town was great to work with. We had a great experience and I was willing to take on these bigger projects now. But I couldn't have done it if I wasn't in relationship with the right people. If I didn't have somebody that cheered me on, if I didn't have somebody that encouraged me, if I didn't have somebody that could do the job and I wasn't in a relationship with people that could connect me to the resources. And now that I had this growing network, I was like, screw it, man, I can do anything because I have this network of people that can make all things possible, right? Now everything is possible for me and I don't wanna miss out on any opportunity. So now I had something different happen, right? I'm, st I'm still in the same town. This house is right around the corner, right? It's actually like the opposite side of that block that, that the one on May Place is on. And there's a, this, this colonial house. Um, this is exactly what the house looks like today. Yeah, we did almost no work to this house. Uh, we put a roof on it. We painted it. We changed some light fixtures. Uh, I put $15,000 with the rehab budget. I don't even think we spent that much. Um, it was a roof some appliances. Uh, we put a washer dryer in it, I think. Um, and some light fixtures. Uh, this house was on the market for like 150,000 and I had made an offer and it got de declined and I made another offer and it got declined and I made another offer and it got declined. And I'm always offering the same number, a hundred thousand bucks. Right. And the property went on and off of the market, right. It kept going under contract. And, um, it, uh, the agent finally called me up and they're like, listen, you got to pay more than a hundred thousand. The guy wants one fifty, And he's like, he's like, he just turned, he just, the deal fell through. He was at one thirty-five. And I was like, yeah, listen, I, I I'm willing to pay a hundred thousand for it. <clears throat> and she's like, would you do 105 and I'll talk to him. And I said, sure. And so she called and she called me back and the guy accepted 105,000 bucks. Uh, we, 
I have this house rented for $2,000 a month. I'm in it for $130,000 plus the closing costs. My cash out refi was $133,000. I probably have twenty grand into this place. I think my mortgage and taxes is like uh, $1,100 a month or $1,200 a month. Uh, we make about $800 a month on this one. Uh, what's interesting about this one is uh, the current value is significantly higher. It's probably worth 230,000 right now to 40. Um, we're actually in the process of doing a portfolio loan on a few properties. Uh, this is one of them. So we're probably going to cash out even more money on this property. Uh, it's a three bedroom, one bath house. It was undervalued. It needed a very light rehab. It's a different model, right? Uh, but I needed a lender to lend me money. One of the reasons why I put the roof on it was because I needed to create a rehab budget for a house that it didn't really need a roof. It wasn't good, but it wasn't leaking or anything. Uh, but I needed the lender to lend me money with this hard money loan because I wanted to go from my purchase price to my loan to value, not loan to cost, right? I wanted to be able to refi to cash out my money so that I have very little money invested in this property. So what I did was I wrote this rehab budget and I talked to my lender and I said, Hey, I want to buy this house, but it doesn't really need a rehab. It needs a little bit of work, but no, I wouldn't even borrow the money normally. Like, is there a way we can do this? And he goes, yeah, we'll just put a little rehab budget on it, put a roof on it or something like it's got to need something. And so that's what we did. I had a relationship with a lender. He showed me how to structure it so that I could cash out, do a full cash out refi and I could get my money. And it made complete sense to me. And, uh, here's what's interesting about this one, right? So, so like we're in the middle of this, right? And, uh, and, and I'm in the middle of, of financing this property uh, and I'm in the middle of buying it and we're about to close on the property. And um, my title company says to me like, hey, do you wanna do a survey on this property? And I'm like, uh, sure. I mean, should I? I never did one before, but we're using a new title company. They're like, well, you just probably wanna know where your boundaries are. We've got a really great survey guy. So I ordered a survey. So I don't know if you can tell, but if you look at this property, there's a big open grass to the left. Uh, this is a double wide lot. So uh, when I bought this house, what I didn't realize was that it was a double wide lot and there's an entire buildable lot to the left of it. That's already been subdivided, but it was deeded together. Um, I haven't done anything with it yet, but we were uh, recently offered $80,000 for that buildable lot. So the house that I bought for 105,000 that I have almost no money invested in that's worth double what I paid for it <clears throat> came with a buildable lot that's worth 80,000 bucks and I haven't even done anything with that either. See, here's the thing, opportunities everywhere, you just have to know how to look for. It. I didn't even know what to look for when it was a buildable lot. I didn't know what a buildable lot was in this town. I had to call the zoning officer to find out. But during the process of this one, I had met a new real estate agent and somebody that I really connected with, right? It was this guy, Carl. And Carl loved the fact that I could do business and I closed on deals. He was a little annoyed that I was kind of cheap, but he saw where I was going, right? Because now all these properties I had done in like an eight month period, right? I was just buying them one after the other and he saw what was going on. And by the way, all of these properties are in one town. Uh, you can drive... Uh, so this house, right, 815 Bozel is six blocks from 360 Huff, which is uh, two blocks from 53 May, which is one block away from 115 Bozel. 
See, they're all in the same neighborhood. So all of a sudden, in a very short order, I'm getting a little bit of a reputation, right? The building department would joke about how, hey, when are we coming out to see your next one? What's the next one? Where are you going next? What's happening next? It was kind of a joke, right? They knew I was going to be in the town. They knew I was buying stuff and I was buying it fast and I was doing good work. And so everybody was kind of excited about being a part of it. So Carl goes and he says, hey, man, I get deals all the time. Like, I'm always listing stuff. I'm an active agent. Like, if I have something that's right for you, would you be willing, you know, like, are you looking for rentals and stuff? And I go, oh, yeah, I'm looking for rentals. And so a few weeks later, he calls me up and he's like, hey, I have a client. I'm listing their house right now. And it's a two family. It's on the north side of town. And uh, the guy wants to sell it fast. So this is a, a, a two-family house. There's, it's a first floor, second floor. Uh, this uh, particular style of house, there's like 50 of these in the town. Uh, they're all on one street on North 6. There's like 40 or 50 of them there. They were all built by the same builder at the same time. I had never been in this particular house, but I had been in more than one of the other ones over the last couple of, you know, year and a half or so at this point. So I knew exactly what the house looked like on the inside. Maybe not exactly what this one looked like, but I knew where the kitchen was. I knew where the, the, you know, the bathroom was. I knew how big the rooms were because they were all the same. And so Carl said, hey, this guy's listing this house for 260. What would you pay for it? And so there were tenants on the second floor and no tenant on the first floor. It's vacant on the first floor. And so I did some quick math and I said, I can do uh, 212,500. And so now the guy's sitting at the listing table. The guy had just signed the listing agreement to put it on the MLS. Carl called me right away. And he's still sitting at the table with the guy. And so he puts his hand over the receiver and he goes, Chris will do 212, uh, 212.500. And the guy goes, what do you take? What do you do, 215? And so Carl gets on the phone. And he goes, he goes uh, Chris, would you do 215? And I said, yeah. And so Carl puts the listing agreement to the side and takes out a purchase and sale agreement. And the guy signs it on the spot. And then the Carl went home, he emailed it to me and I signed it. And before that, how, before that night was over, within an hour, I had that property under contract. It never went on the MLS until after it was under contract. It went straight to under contract status. The first floor apartment was a little bit rough, right? Uh, it looked way rougher than it was. Uh, the, uh, the kitchen cabinets, one of the cabinets had like separated from the wall, like the screws would pull through. Uh, it needed a, uh, the hardwood floors needed to be refinished. Um, the bathroom was really dingy, right? Like the tile was like really dirty, like caked on dirt. Like, I don't know what the guy did in there, but it was bad. And, uh, and all the windows were nicotine stained. Like they had a yellow film on, it, right? Uh, so the rehab on this one, um, but here's the thing. There was a lot of good stuff, right? There was two brand new furnaces in it. Uh, the second floor apartment had been completely renovated a few years before. Um, the furnaces were like a year old and we were in really good shape. And so we renovated the place uh, and we uh, put tenants in there and we rented it uh, for, uh, I don't remember, a year or so. Uh, and we got it performing and then we sold it. You know, we weren't making a ton of cash flow on this one because we had cash out on it. Uh, you know, we didn't have any money really invested in it. We had very little money in it. Uh, so we sold it for $312,000. I sold it off market um, to a buyer, uh, no real estate fees, uh, just, you know, closing costs. Uh, and we sold it for $312,000. We made like 40 grand on it in a year. And I made all that 40 grand because I was friends with Carl because our relationship mattered. 
right? If you work with the right lending partner, you can build wealth faster, right? We had a lender I knew who would finance deals and put them in, you know, we would be able to get them financed and we'd get to be able to get these non-QM mortgages that, that at the time were kind of hard to get. And we could close on deals very quickly because we had the right lender. And then we had the right real estate agent, somebody who could bring us deals and add value. And he did great. He made 10 grand on the front side. We sold the house. Everybody was happy. Uh, we made a great uh, deal here. It was an undervalued property with a very light rehab. It looked way worse than it was. And so it's a great story, right? But it all exists because our secret sauce in this whole thing, if you follow the bouncing ball in every story I'm telling you, the secret sauce is that we're in relationship with people. We're in relationship with the right people. And so uh, those people <clears throat> create opportunity for us. So our next deal was, was uh, West 2nd Street. This, we own this still. <coughs> this one I still own. This is a great property. It's a three family. Um, uh, this is interesting. So this one is where I started to get greedy, right? So remember I told you the story about this great lender I had. His name was Anthony. He's an awesome guy and I love him and he's so wonderful. Uh, except I started going to real estate meetup events and I was kind of buying a lot of properties now, right? I'm a year into it. I've done 10, 12 deals, 14 deals, whatever I was at. And people are like starting to take notice of me, right? Like all of a sudden when I talk, people are like, oh, you did 14 deals in a year. They're like, you should meet this guy. And so I was introduced to another lender and he promised me uh, lower rates, uh, uh, a lower origination cost. He was willing to rate, waive origination fees. He cut the number of points. Uh, and the guy really wanted to earn my business. And I was like, that's awesome. So we went to do this deal and we purchased it for 240,000 bucks. The house needed everything, right? Kitchens and bathrooms and flooring and paint and HVAC systems and just everything. It was, we put a whole new porch on the house. It was, it was falling apart. Right. And so um, we wanted to do this deal. And so I think I had the right lender, but they delayed every part of it, right? So we had this really tight timeline because this was a HUD property and we needed to close on a certain time. And um, we're coming up to the end. I'm like, hey guys, we haven't got the appraisal. Where's the appraisal? What's going on with the appraisal? What's happening with the appraisal? And the, and the guy on the other side is like, it's fine. It'll come, it'll come. And so we needed the appraised value to come back at 400 and, uh, 450,000 bucks was what we were looking for. And uh, our 425,000 bucks was what we were looking for. And the, the day before closing, the appraisal comes out, our after repaired appraisal came out at 325,000 bucks. And at the time there was not a single family house that was renovated on the market for under, uh, a, I mean, two family house on the market for under 380,000 bucks or 375,000 bucks. I'm like, how is my three family completely renovated, brand new, <clears throat> only worth three and a quarter? And they're like, well, that's what it is. But I was stuck. I was in trouble, right? Because remember your lender will only lend you 70% of your after repaired value minus your rehab costs. My rehab costs are 145,000 bucks and my purchase is 245. I'm going to be $400,000 into this. I was basically buying it for full price, but I knew it was going to cash flow like a banshee. And I knew that if I had it completely renovated, my, my holding costs would be low. And so I was okay leaving a lot of money in this because it was going to be a great deal. Well, fast forward, right? Now all of a sudden I'm at the end and I had to bring $100,000 more to closing in order to make this deal happen. 
So I told them at the beginning that the ARV should be about 425,000 bucks. When we did our refi with this and the lender sent out their rehab, you know, their, their post renovation, you know, refinance appraisal right now that we're going to a lender, uh, it appraised for 435,000 bucks, exactly what I expected it to appraise for three months prior. And I showed the guy, like, after they were all done, I called the lender and I was like, Hey, this is the appraisal I got. Can you just ask some people around? They're like, Oh, Oh yeah, this is a junk appraisal. He's like, he's like, He's like, Chris, we took 10 minutes and we looked at it. We sat in the conference table and we laughed. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, two of the comps you use. He goes, we looked at the interior pictures. There was no kitchen in one of them. He's like, how's that a comp for a renovated house? It doesn't make any sense. So I was, in, I was trying to build a relationship now based on price. But I went back to my original story where, remember, I borrowed from somebody who didn't have any experience and couldn't help me. And then I found this great guy, but then I abandoned him because I was going to save a few dollars, but I didn't save a few dollars. I had to bring $100,000 more to the table. By the way, that meant that I couldn't buy a different house. So if my average profit is forty dollars or $50,000, right, on a $100,000 investment, which is kind of what we look for, we look for at least a 50% ROI on our short-term investments, having to bring an extra hundred grand to this deal cost me 50 grand. So was I working with the right lender? Was I building wealth faster? Or did I just save a couple thousand bucks and get screwed out at 50, right? This is the part where we have that old saying, you know, often people trip over pennies. I mean, uh, uh, trip over dollars to pick up pennies, right? That's what we were doing. I, I literally threw away tens of thousands of dollars in opportunity because I wanted to work with a guy who saved me a couple points on a rehab deal. It was dumb. The other thing I learned was, remember this one was a HUD property. We had bought this on, at an auction, uh, an online auction. I didn't even know that they were a thing up until this point. Somebody said to me, actually Carl, right? The real estate agent from the last one and said to me in passing like, hey Chris, there's these things, you know, you ever look at the auctions? No, what does that mean? Where do I go? And he's like, you don't go anywhere, it's on the computer. And, I, and he sat down and he, for 10 minutes, he showed me this whole thing. Uh, we still own this property. Uh, we're about to list this property. Um, the current value is probably somewhere around $525,000. Uh, we're going to make a ton of money on this house. We've made a lot of money on it. We've made, uh, I think we make like 1700 bucks a month, 1800 bucks a month on this property. Uh, and now we'll sell it and we'll make 100000 on the sale. It's a, it's a good deal. This has been a great property for us, but it all starts with being in relationship with people. That's our secret sauce, right? What's our secret sauce? It's relationship. I was gonna tell you some more stories, but it's just story time, right? In every one of my deals, the one thing I can tell you is that the difference in every deal between profit and loss, the things that have made me successful is all about who I'm in relationship with. The people that I surround myself with are the people that create wealth for me. So that's your secret sauce. Now, how do you build relationship? This is the hard part, right? A lot of people, myself included, I've been married for a long time. I got married in my 20s. I'm 46 years old. I've been married for 20 years. And so, uh, so how do you date somebody? How do you build a relationship? Well, well, first off, you have to start by doing it intentionally. And so what does that mean? Uh, so when a real estate agent shows me a house, I, uh, I send them a thank you card. Uh, sometimes it's an email. If it's really brief, sometimes it's a text. Uh, but I often do cards to their office. And so at the beginning, you know, even now, like, well, if we talk to somebody and we're working a deal together, we send them a, you know, we'll send them a, a like a Dunkin' Donuts gift card or a Starbucks gift card for 10 bucks. Uh, we close a deal with a real estate agent. Uh, when I close a deal with a real estate agent, I always give them something uh, as a gift. 
And so uh, not, and I always tell them the same thing, right? This isn't a commission. I'm like, and so when Carl closes the deal with me, I always say the same thing. I say, hey, Carl, I really want you to know that I appreciate everything you do for me. Um, here's something to say thank you. I go, and just so you know, this isn't for the one I bought. I know you got paid on that one. This is for all the ones you show me and all the ones you helped me with that, that you, we didn't buy. This is for telling me all the right stuff and helping me avoid trouble, right? I just want to tell you thank you for everything that you do in my business. And so when somebody sells me, you know, helps me buy a house, I typically give them a $500 Amazon gift card or, you know, tickets to a sporting event, like something that's, that's noticeable, right? When somebody helps me sell a house, I do the same thing. I give them a gift and say, thank you. When, when an agent, so like we're, we just closed on one. Uh, so this one doesn't count because it didn't have a real estate. We closed on one uh, on Friday of last week, right? Um, when I closed on that deal, the, the, the agent that sold, that helped me buy the house, my agent is, was my assistant. She works in my office. She's already a, a paid team member, right? So that one doesn't really count. But the agent on the other side, the one that sold us the house, we sent her a $100 Amazon gift card to say thank you. So here's the thing, right? That lady, she called us, by the way, that lady has been a real estate agent for 15 years. Do you know that a buyer's, a buyer has never sent, sent, the, sent as a selling agent, she has never heard of anybody receiving a gift from the buyer. It's kind of interesting, right? So here's what I can promise you. She remembers my name. And when we call and we make an offer, one, I'm a good guy. I'm a great guy, right? She remembers my name. I must be a great guy. And um, she leaves with a positive image of us. So if we ever run into her again and we have an opportunity, uh, she's going to be all over it. In the end, that house that we bought from her is a two-family house that needed no renovation. Uh, it cash flows at the gate. We bought it, you know, like 15% under market value. Uh, we did a phenomenal deal on that one. We're going to make tons of money and it's easy. And she was pleasant to deal with. So why not say thank you, right? Why not be in relationship? Some of my best deals have come from people that want to be in relationship, right? We had a wholesale deal in Irvington. I made, uh, uh, we made like a $45,000 assignment fee on a house in Irvington. The, uh, the agent had a client who was sick and she was dying. She was very ill. It's kind of a sad story. She actually passed before we closed on the house, but she, uh, the lady was sick and she had a hard time going in and out of the house. Right. And she was terrified of the idea of all these strangers coming in because she could barely get out of bed. So we went up there and she lived with her extended family, right? It was like three generations that lived in this two family house together, right? You know, the, the kids lived with grandma and mom and dad lived together. And then their kids lived on the second floor, um, you know, who were adult kids. Right. And so we said, I, so I met with the daughter and when we went up there, she's like, you know, Tara said, she's like, Hey, listen, I know the right guy. He'll probably just buy the house. He's not going to pay as much as you want, but he'll make it really easy on you. And she's like, and the lady said, that's what I need. She's like, I don't have a lot of time left. I just don't want it to be hard. And I said, so I went up there and I met with her and I, and I met her and I talked to the daughter. I'm like, hey, listen, I'm going to wholesale this house. This isn't what I'm going to keep. And I explained that I was going to bring in another investor who was going to close on it, but I guaranteed they were going to close on it. She didn't have to worry. This wasn't a bullshit story. And I said, but listen, I, I'll show this house, but I need to show, I need to be in this house one or two times. I said, I need to be in it once for sure to, to sell the house to somebody. And I need to be in it once more to do the CO inspection. I was like, can I have an entire day in this house though to do the showing so I can bring in some investor friends of mine? And she said to me, she's like, Chris, we don't have a lot of money. It's really hard to get mom out. Like we have to hire a home health aide. She needs a nurse to travel with her. It's really hard. 
And I said, well, how much does that cost? And she's like, it's like $200. And I, she's like, Chris, we don't have 200 bucks to spend on a thing. I'm like, how about this? And I apologize. I didn't want you to think that that was something you had to pay for. I want to take care of it for you. So would it be okay if I gave you some money so that you could hire a home health aid? As a matter of fact, why don't you hire two? So that way you have extra help and you don't have to worry. I want you and your mom and your, and your kids and everybody to have a great day out. And I want you to have it on me because I'm going to make some money on this and everybody's going to be happy and you guys are going to be happy. And I'd really love to be able to do that for you. Would it be okay if I helped put that together for you? And she goes, oh, that would be so amazing. She goes, you know, mom doesn't have a lot of time. And I go, I know your, your mom told me. And so I paid for two home health aids. It was like 500 bucks or something for the day. And I gave them 500 bucks to, to do whatever they wanted with, to go out and they could have dinner and they could have this great experience. And that's what they did. They, they took the 500 bucks. They went to mom's favorite restaurant. They went to a park that mom played at as a kid. They uh, took the grandkids and they got ice cream and mom smiled the whole time. And it was a great day. And this old lady who's, who's in her nineties, right? She comes back and we're all done showing the house and we're all done. And I waited for her and, uh, and she comes up and she gets out of the car and I had never seen her smile before. Right. I had never seen her cause she was always in a lot of pain and she gets out and she smiled. And I go, I go, Hey grandma, how, how'd it go? Did you have a great day? She's like, Oh, it was the best day I've ever had. Ah, oh, that's amazing. Well, welcome home. I want you to know that everything's all set. We've taken care of everything. We cleaned everything out. Uh, I made sure everything was put back the way it was and nobody disturbed anything. And she's like, thank you so much. You don't understand how much this means to me. It was amazing. And she went inside and we had a buyer, by the way, we had three offers that same day uh, and ended up going a little bit more than we asked for the house. We made like $45,000 or whatever it was on it. Uh, and, um, the agent who brought us the listing, right? She got to sell the house, but because we were able to close so quickly and we had escrowed some money for them, right? We had, we had given them a really big deposit. Um, the daughter was, was able to buy her own house and she helped the, uh, the grandkids find an apartment. So out of that one sale, that one relationship, she got two sales and a, um, and a rental. And it was a great experience. The family loves us. Uh, the mother passed, the grandmother passed away at the end of this. And so it took a little longer to close. Uh, but she, um, uh, you know, before she died, she, she told Tara, who was our real estate agent, that, that she thanked God every day for having met us. Right. That's a really cool story, right? It's a win, win, win right? Everybody won. I made money. She made, she made, uh, some great experiences. Her kids got houses. Uh, things were really good. But that all happened because we were in relationship with Tara and we came, became in relationship with Tara because she showed us a house. This is how we met Tara. She was a selling agent. She showed us a house because my agent couldn't be there. So she said, oh, I'm in the area. I'll show it to your buyers. We met her. I sent her a $25 gift card to Dunkin' Donuts to say thank you. I sent her a $25 gift card and my business card. And I said, thank you so much for taking the time. You didn't have to do that. I really appreciate everything you do to help us. Thank you so much. There's a whole note. It took me five seconds to handwrite, like 30 seconds to handwrite. I don't even have nice handwriting. And we mailed it off to our office. I forget all about it. We sent so many of them out, I forget about it. And it made all the difference. And so the second she was with somebody who she thought I could help, that she didn't have a tool for, she didn't have a way to sell a house without doing lots of showings and inviting everybody that they know into the house. She didn't know how to do it, but she knew that if she called me, maybe I could help her. And we were in relationship. And it all started because I gave her a $25 gift card to Dunkin' Donuts. I made $45,000. Pretty good investment, don't you think? I give away uh, probably close to 500 bucks a month in gift cards in just to everybody. Just $25 gift card. We buy them in stacks. $25 gift card, $25 gift card. 
So be in relationship. <clears throat> Does anybody have any questions? Does that make sense to everybody? I hope that was impactful. Um, you, you know, this is the, uh, there's, you know, there's an opportunity to ask some questions. Uh, I know that it was a lot of story time, but did that make sense to everybody? Yes, Cindy says it makes sense. Good news. Yeah, so, and I hope that resonates with you. And, and here's the thing about it too, by the way, and I want you to hear this from me, relationship doesn't really come naturally to me. Uh, you know, and I know that sounds weird, right? Because I just did this whole presentation about how the secret sauce in business is relationship. Uh, it doesn't come naturally to me. I have a, um, uh, so, so if you're familiar with the DISC personality system, right? Um, if, and you should spend some time to understand personality types and different kinds of people. And there's a lot of different ones. I happen to like the DISC system, D-I-S-C. And so I'm kind of on this, I'm a really high D, right? Which means I'm very goal-oriented and task-oriented. Uh, but I'm not really a people person, which is kind of funny because I've overcome that by trying to be charming, but I have to do it intentionally. Uh, I have to, thank you, Audrey. I'm, listen, I'm glad you understand because this is a really powerful tool, right? This is why I'm telling you. I'm a, I'm a high D and I don't, I don't, I'm not really good at people, right? I don't experience, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like I don't experience emotions the way everybody, you know, the way a lot of people do. A lot of people are on the, uh, I and, and S side, which is the, which is most people in the world, right? It's like 70% of the planet is on the I and the S side. And they're like people, people, right? Uh, the D's and the C's are, are less people, people. And so I'm not really a people person. So, but I knew that that wasn't effective for me. So I needed to figure out how to be effective. So even in that, we have a process, right? We interact with somebody, we have a positive experience. We send them, a, we send them something to help establish relationships. And because I'm not an overly friendly person, right? I'm not, uh, you know, I don't smile a ton. I don't hug people. I don't like kissing people. Like I don't like touching people, right? Because I'm on that side of the spectrum in my personality type, which is very common for D's and C's, by the way. It's not weird. It's just who we are. You know, S's and I's are much bigger huggers. They're the people like, oh my God, it's so good to see you. I never say that. I, I, and even when I like seeing people, it's just not who we are, right? So I needed to create uh, a process that would help me overcome that, right? Where I could establish relationship, even though it wasn't in, within my personality, right? If you're on the other side of the spectrum, if you're an I, people think you're fun. If you're an S, people think you're caring and they like you because you're a caring person. Ds aren't typically liked because of their emotions. They're liked because of their performance. And that's what people like about them. So I, even during presentations, I have to remind myself to smile sometimes. So I don't look like a, like a, like a grumpy Gus, I guess, right? So, so that whole process of understanding personality and, how, and having to create a process to establish relationship has created this manifold of magnitude of success, right? So today we closed two loans, right? We did a refi. The, the person that helped broker the loans made 5,000 bucks today, right? The, the company that did it for us, the broker made 5,000 bucks. He's also gonna get 50 bucks worth of, Starbucks gift cards next week saying thank you. Do I have to do that? Probably not. But I, I, I can't tell you how many uh, government officials, building officials, fire marshals, um, uh, secretaries, uh, real estate brokers, real estate agents, I have their cell phone numbers, not their professional cell phone number, their personal cell phone number. I can't tell you how many people take my phone calls on Sundays. And it's all because they, they like me because I, I, I say thank you a lot. 
Cindy's a people person, but I guess I just have to meet the right people and learn to put myself out there. Yeah. So that's part of it, right? It's, it's, it's about, it's about being out there in front of people and being open about what you're doing. And, and by the way, it's also about being vulnerable and saying, I don't know, but could you help me? Or maybe, you know, somebody who knows what to do here. Um, uh, yeah, work on that. So this is the last of our series, right? This whole series was about doing business with intention and, um, you know, building a business that kind of brought us someplace. Um, the, uh, um, th this whole thing has been about that. Uh, and I hope that the four weeks we've spent together have, have been impactful for you and helped you, uh, learn some stuff about real estate. I know I've done this before, but if you go to betterflips.com, there's a fix and flip calculator and a deal calculator that we can give you some training on and we'll keep you updated about our events and what we're up to. Um, there's also some opportunities to, to follow us on social media if you're interested um, and just see what we do on a daily basis. Uh, uh, today, we closed two refinancings. Uh, Monday, we bought a four-family house. Last Friday, we bought a two-family house. Um, we, so we're closing on a flip uh, tomorrow that uh, uh, I should tell that story one day. That's an interesting project story. Um, we're closing a sale tomorrow. I've got like three more refis happening next week. Um, I think, um, yeah, so that's our story. So if you're interested in learning more about Better Flips, go to betterflips.com and you can reach out to me and, and find us. Um, at the end of the day, listen, your network is your net worth. So if you're not building your network, you're not building your net worth. You're not going anywhere. And, uh, you know, I want you to go someplace. So reach out to us. Um, talk to us. If you need to get a hold of me, if you have any questions, please, please feel free to contact me. Uh, I, I love hearing from people and talking to people. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's made a huge impact on my business, uh, personally and professionally. Does anybody have any questions though? And, and I'm willing to take a question on any topic right now. You want to talk about uh, restaurants? I'll tell you about restaurants. You want to talk about tires? I know a little bit about tires. Nobody has a question. Do I have sessions on your coaching? So I do have session. Uh, so I don't know what that means. So my coaching, there's two pro should, I, I don't even know. Kyle, where are you, Kyle? Am I allowed to explain this? Yeah. Go ahead. No problem. Uh, so, uh, so Cindy, I do do one-on-ones. So I'm not sure what you mean by sessions. So we have a monthly uh, basis program. Like it's a subscription basis, Cindy. Um, yeah. So it's, it's not subscription based though. So like you can cancel at any time. So you can sign up for a month, which is basically two sessions, right? Um, you can sign up for a month and if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, you can cancel. Uh, if you really think I'm full of crap, I'll give you your money back. We don't, uh, I've never taken any money, anybody's money who doesn't think I deserve it either. <laughs> right. Uh, you'll, you'll find that I'm a little bit different than a lot of people, right? We don't even have a hardcore con Like I don't have a contract that you're bound to, if that's what you're asking. Uh, the one-on-ones are the only ones that have a, a contract because there's a time period to it. So they had to have a contract, but, um, the, the monthly coaching program, it, it's better if you're on longer because we build on stuff, right? It's about building your business. So I, the, the people who get the most out of it are in it longer because it takes time to kind of acclimate yourself to what it is, right? Uh, yeah, we use Zoom for that um, just because it's the most effective way to communicate right now. 
Um, I'd love for us all to get in the same room or I, I don't like to do it by phone because I often share my screen. Um, so like when you ask a specific question, we, we do that together. Um, oh, we're about to buy four more properties. Uh, so uh, yeah, we use Zoom for that. Uh, Audrey, my problem is with refinancing. I do Uber Eats, but I haven't done it for two years. So the bank doesn't want to lend to me. The problem is I also that I need to move out of this rental in a month. I really want it to get in, into my own home. So I probably need to do a subject too. No idea where to look for one. Uh, Audrey, what, where do you live in the world? I don't know where Gibby, Dallas, Texas. I was going to say, I'm like, that didn't make any sense to me. All right. So, um, okay. So subject two is a long game, right? It's typically not fast because you have to market for people who are distressed. So, uh, my question would be, uh, I do Uber eats, but I haven't done it for two years. So first off, let's start out by saying you don't do Uber eats you used to do Uber Eats, right? I used to jog. That doesn't mean I'm a jogger. Oh, so you do it now. Okay. Um, so there's two things you should know. One, you probably won't qualify for a uh, regular mortgage. You're self-employed and you probably won't be able to qualify for at least two years, typically three years as a self-employed person. That's one. Two, you're not, so, so your, your uh, QM mortgages, which are qualified mortgages, those are the full doc, regular bank mortgages, you won't qualify for. You could probably get a non-QM mortgage, which is about a, um, a non-QM mortgage is a mortgage that's done by um, a, a non-bank institutional lender, right? So like Vizio Lending or, um, well, there's a lot of them, but uh, I use civic financial services in California is one of the ones I use quick plug for them. Uh, but the, um, the, those lenders, you can't occupy the house. You have to, as a matter of fact, guarantee that you will never live there because they're only designed. They can only lend to non-owner occupants. Subject two is hard to pull off, man. That's a hard model. Uh, you can do it. Uh, it is possible to do it but it's very hard. It's a very challenging road and it, it's a sophisticated maneuver. Um, you could do seller financing too, but again, it takes a little bit of sophistication marketing <clears throat> because every property that's for sale can be bought with money. Uh, subject to deals are distressed properties where the owners can't sell because they're typically upside down or at the max value or something. And there's no reason to buy it other than the fact you could take it over and make a margin on it because it's already got financing on it. But it means that their credit, they, people only do that when their credit's wacky, their credit's bad. So you're kind of stepping into somebody else's pain. Uh, the other option is to find somebody who, wants, who owns a house for cash and wants to sell it uh, and owner finance it. That's a little bit rarer and harder to find. Um, but it's a thought process. Uh, I don't really market to those kind of things, right? So I just got a text from uh, my assistant who also is, is one of our real estate agents. And so we made an offer on a four family portfolio and uh, we offered 390,000 bucks on the four family uh, and the seller just on a four, uh, four properties. I'm sorry, not a four family, it's four properties. It's three single, uh, three, no, it's four single family homes is what it is. Um, and we just got a counter at 429,000 bucks. That's your traditional market, right? Guys got in the market for 550. We, we offered to buy all four for basically 25% less than he has it on the market for. 
<clears throat> that's how you create margin. All right, uh, Audrey, that's probably what I would tell you to start with. Depending upon how much money you have, uh, wholesaling might be a way for you to start in the business. Uh, but I would immediately begin on the property acquisition side because remember, if you think back to one of our, our new plan, right? We're not wholesalers, then flippers, then buy and hold guys, then, then commercial property investors. We're all of these things at one time. So you should be looking for projects and opportunities for you to capitalize on and you should constantly be looking for houses not going i'm looking for this say i'm looking at all real estate and figure out what the highest and best uses in context of your business does that make sense to you what do you care about raising capital Re capital follows all right is everybody with me how many people are here let's look there are seven people here you ready i'm going to give you the greatest people piece of advice i've ever heard Everybody says to me, investors say this all the time, I need to raise money first. The money goes where the deals are. The better my deal is, the faster I raise the capital to do it. So Audrey, what you need is a deal that will fund itself. And a good deal will fund itself. A great deal will fund itself. A good deal will require some of your own capital, but a great deal will fund itself. I bought in the past month, I bought a million dollars worth of real estate in the last 30 days. I did it with zero dollars. Not zero dollars of my money, but not zero dollars. And I hope you can hear that, right? What you need is to develop a network that wants to invest in real estate, right? Talk real estate. Well, by talking real estate, you'll find other people that are interested in investing into real estate. And those people will be the people that bring you the capital. Just find, if you find a deal, reach out to your network, you can do it. As a matter of fact, if you find a deal, I've got, so I don't invest in Dallas, Texas, right? I'm a New Jersey guy, but I have friends that know lots of investors in Dallas, Texas. Marty Chera from Express Capital is in Dallas, Texas, uh, at least once or twice a month meeting with investors. Yeah, there you go. So you have a network. So why are we talking about money? Now let's go find a deal. My question for you, Audrey, this all starts with a deal, right? Start at real estate. Stop worrying about income. There you go. You have, so if you have capital, income doesn't matter. Uh, the capital that you have, Cindy, by the way, and don't think small, the capital that you have can be part of it. But even that you should, you should, um, you should expand on. You're worried about debt to income is already too high. Wondering what is the next step, although I'm currently studying for real estate agent and hopefully that helps. But I guess you gave the answer wholesale. Wholesaling is not necessarily the answer, right? Uh, so when I started my business, um, so, so like I just closed uh, two mortgages today. I told you that, right? Uh, that I closed two mortgages. Non-QM mortgages do not incorporate your debt to income because they're asset-based lenders. They actually don't care about your personal finances. They care that the house can make money. Does that make sense to you, Cindy? Okay. And I need you to hear that because I hear, because you're thinking like this is a regular bank. There are options other, you have to expand your, ex, use your network, right? The people you know, your relationships to expand your relationship base. And when you expand, expand your relationship base, what you'll find is, is that the things you believe to be true aren't necessarily true. Every, before Galileo, everybody knew the world was flat. It was science. The scientists said the world was flat, okay? 
the scientists said the, the earth, uh, the sun revolved around the earth. Okay. That's what the science says that everybody knew it to be true, except it wasn't true. The thing is you're talking to the wrong people is what I'm trying to tell you. Right. I, I was scared. I did. I just told you all these stories and these are deals. All these deals are from my early investing. So these are all like four and five years ago, all the deals I just told you about. Right. Um, uh, last year we did, uh, 42 transactions, I think in 2019. Right. Um, I own, I, I was in a real estate event at right at the beginning of this year, January, right. Where we, where I started this whole intention thing. And I talked about planning out your business and goal setting and everything. And I, and I showed them my goals, right. I showed this whole group, my goals, and I showed them how I had, you know, 30 mortgages and I showed them, I showed them everything, right? Like I'm really an open book. I tell people how much I get in rent, what my net proceeds are, the whole shebang, right? So I show them how I have 32 mortgages. I even showed them who the mortgages are with, right? And a guy at the end comes up to me. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm not even sure where to start. You know, like you can't get more than 10 mortgages. And I was like, I'm like, hey man, I know we just met, but I just told you how I have 30 mortgages. And he's like, yeah, but I talked to my bank and they say you can't get more than 10. I was like, yeah, but I just showed you that I have 30 mortgages. He goes, he goes, yeah, but the bank said I can't. I go, all right, well, I guess it's true then for you. I guess it's impossible to have more than 10 mortgages. Uh, my point is, is that for Cindy, you're talking about debt to income ratio. Uh, talk to somebody else. Talk to different people. You'll get different answers, right? Every lender has a solution to a problem, but their solution may not fit your needs. So in context of your needs, like, so, and when you talk, you're like, Hey, who does asset-based lending, right? Look up what asset-based lending is. And you'll find out that the answer to that, uh, if you have two private lenders and they both want to be in the first place, what do you do? Pick. It's my answer. Pick one or ask, go to the one that wants to be in the first position and say, uh, Hey, if you want to be in first position, would you finance? How about this? Then there can't be a second position, right? Give them an option. Uh, give them an option other than first and second position. Be like, hey, you can have first position if you bring this much money, and then second position brings this much money. Uh, or there can only be there can be only one, and you bring all this money. Or you can do this and this. Or maybe you could put them both in one mortgage, right? How about this, Cindy? I mean, Audrey, how about you put both of them on, they form a partnership and they, for, and they do one mortgage with both of their names on it. And they're 50-50. There's a lot of ways to structure this because if you have an operating agreement, they can put in 60-40, 30-20, but it could be the first, more, they could be the only mortgage on the property, but they have to work together. You could give them options on how you structure the deal. It's your deal. It's within your authority. So find a great deal and the lenders will work with it. All right. Does that make sense to everybody? <clears throat> hey, listen, I have to go because I have another meeting. I know that sounds crazy, but it actually starts at nine. Um, so thank you very much. Uh, Kyle, you're going to do some closing remarks. Yes. Yep. All right. Thank you I so much. Because I, I have my next thing coming up. I got, I actually have a coaching call. Uh, so thank you very much. I really enjoyed this. I'm going to talk to Real Estate IQ and we're probably going to start up another series. Um, if you have a specific topic you're interested in learning about, uh, why don't you 
bring it to me on social media or email me, whatever you want to do. However you reach out to people, uh, go to betterflips.com and put a note in there and send it to me and we'll, uh, and I'll take it under advisement and we're going to, we're going to start a new one for uh, probably in the middle of November. Yep. You can also type it in the chat box so we can know about that and real estate IQ and Chris can talk about it. So thank you so much for the series, Chris, and hope we could have you back really, really soon. We've learned a lot from you and I'll just uh, do the closing real quick right now. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right. This event is brought to you by Real Estate IQ, the number one in deal finding. 45,000 leads every month. Our guarantee is you'll always find a deal with Real Estate IQ. And we would appreciate your feedback at the end of this webinar. When you exit this room or when I end uh, this webinar, you'll be getting a um, feedback form a link to the feedback form. We'd appreciate if you'd answer that one so we would know uh, how we can improve our webinars and what are the things that you want to learn about. You can also input that one there. Here's our customer service details on your screen right now and we guarantee you a two-hour response time. I'll be also posting these details on, um, the, on the chat box in a bit for you to copy and paste that one in your computer. And right now, you want to know what freebies you're interested in on this next poll that we're going to have. And if you missed the free 45-minute one-on-one deal-finding training poll earlier, you can type in the chat box, demo, please. So I can take note of your details and I can send it to the team. So they could uh, schedule a demo for you. Or if not, you could attend a uh, deal finding training webinar that is happening every week. Uh, You just go to realestateiq.co slash events and register for a deal finding training to know more about the REIQ tools. And we would also like to know uh, what you want to learn in specific about REIQ tools. And if you have something specific in mind, please let us know on the chat box. And you can also join our community portal. It works like a social media, and but it's about real estate. It's community.realestateiq.co. And like I said, for all our events, it's over at realestateiq.co slash events. And again, here is the contact details of Chris. So if you have further questions, if you want to connect with him, you can reach out to him through these details and it's available on the chat box. And I'll just leave it here on the screen for a minute or two so that you could get that details and I'll be also copy pasting these details and also all the links that I mentioned earlier on the chat box right now. So let me just get that one for you. Let's have Chris's um, information first. Here we go. So if you haven't uh, gotten this yet, there. So you can reach out to Chris and I'll be copy pasting all the links that you need about REIQ also. 
that would be on the chat box. So once again, guys, thank you so much for being here. It was a really great series with Chris Anderson and Better Flips. Hopefully we could have him back again for another topic really soon. And Audrey, thank you so much also. And to the rest of of the attendees, Jeff, JR, Cindy, thank you so much for being here. Have a great day and happy deal finding everybody. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.